Hello everyone and welcome back to Pancreas on Strike, the podcast where we talk about diabetic related issues. I would just like to say that I am not a medical professional and this is not medical advice. Please do not make any changes of treatment or lifestyle based on the information in this podcast. Please always consult your doctor and or healthcare team before making any adjustments. So going into this episode, I would like to talk about the different types of treatments because there are any number of treatments out there. Um, Some of them are for type 1 diabetic specifically. Some of them are for type 2 diabetic specifically. But I want to get into the different kinds of treatments, who they're for, the pros and cons. Um, There will be some of them that I can't really talk about personal experiences just because I have never used them. But I will touch base on them. For those, most of the information is going to come from online and online sources. Whereas for the ones that I have personally used, I will be talking about my personal experiences with those. Like I said, while there are specific treatment types that work for type 1 diabetics but don't work for type 2, or treatments that work for type 2 but don't work for type 1, all of them have one thing in common. They all rely on insulin, which as I talked about in the first episode, is the hormone that is created by the pancreas and kind of what got those of us who are diabetics, into this mess. So you have multiple different types of insulin. The first type is rapid-acting or ultra-rapid-acting. It usually starts working in about 15 minutes, and it usually hits its peak after one hour. So what it means when it hits its peak is essentially what it sounds like. You know, it'll kind of start working after 15 minutes, But the moment that it's really working, you know, it's taking that glucose, it's taking those carbohydrates, and it's working against them is its one hour mark. It usually lasts anywhere from two to four hours for rapid insulin or five to seven hours for ultra insulin. The next type of insulin is rapid acting inhaled. Now, I believe this type is newer. I personally have not heard of it up until a couple years ago. So if anybody who listens to this podcast uh, knows that it is actually older, please let me know. But it usually starts working 10 to 15 minutes after it is inhaled. Um, It hits its peak time at about 30 minutes and it lasts three hours. Regular, also called short-acting insulin, um, starts working after 30 minutes. It hits its peak at about two to three hours and it lasts a little bit longer than the other two. Now, the next type of insulin is intermediate acting. It starts working two to four hours. It peaks at its four to 12 hour mark, and it does last anywhere from 12 to 18 hours. Long acting insulin, it starts working two hours after it is injected, inserted, uh, depending on the type of treatment. It does not have a peak time, so there is no specific way to monitor, okay, we're five hours into this and it's starting to peak. You can't see it as, from personal experience, you can't see it as quickly as rapid acting insulin. Usually lasts 24 hours. um, And then you have ultra long acting insulin, which it starts working after six hours. Again, it does not have a peak time, but it can stay in the body 36 hours or longer. Now moving on to the different ways to take insulin. The first one are needle and a syringe. This is what I started out on. 
Um, they had the technology for pumps back in that time. They're nowhere near as technologically advanced as they are now. But a doctor I had in Georgia, which is where I'm from, it's where I was diagnosed, said that he didn't want a kid my age, I was four, on an insulin pump because he didn't think I could be responsible enough with it. So I stayed on a needle and syringe up until I was eight years old. Now, with a needle and a syringe, you have a vial of insulin. In my case, and in most cases, you have a vial of fast-acting insulin for things like when you eat, when your sugar's high and you need to get your sugar or glucose, I call it sugar, when you need to get that down quickly. Um, Then you have slow-acting insulin, which is what I used for bedtime um, because, you know, my mom probably didn't want to get up every two hours, two and a half, three hours, and keep giving me insulin shots. So I had slow-acting insulin to get me through the night so that way we didn't have to worry about that. For a needle and a syringe, you have a syringe. um, You have the vial of insulin upright. You stick the needle in. You turn it upside down, and then you pull the little plunger back like you may have seen them do on doctor shows. You set a specific amount, which is typically labeled on the syringe itself. Um, Say, for example, you know, uh, you want to give yourself five units of insulin. You would draw back five units of insulin, pull the syringe and the needle out of the vial of insulin, and then you would inject it into your stomach, your arm, your leg, wherever people injected it. Um, I'm not going to lie. This is going to sound very ironic for the fact that I'm a diabetic, but I am absolutely terrified of needles. (laughs) Um, I know, it's crazy. If there's any other diabetic out there who's terrified of needles, you are not alone. I cannot give myself an insulin injection. I don't care where my sugar is at. I don't care how I feel. I just cannot, unless it is an absolute emergency, I cannot give myself an injection. Quick side story about my fear of needles at a time where it was (laughs) really bad to have a fear of needles. So I lived in Virginia for a while where I went to college and I had a job that was about 30 minutes away from the dorm room. I worked at a restaurant. So at about a couple hours before the restaurant was supposed to close, I started feeling off. Now, typically I feel immediately once my sugar is low, but it takes me a while to really feel that my sugar is high. So once I start to really feel it, I know that it's, it's pretty up there. I started to feel it, you know, I'm feeling this and I'll do an episode later on about the experiences and the feelings diabetics get, whether it's high, whether it's low and kind of go into the differences of those. But for the sake of this story, my sugar was extremely high. I started to feel dizzy, I felt like I was going to pass out because for me, if I'm about 400, 450, I'm, I feel like I'm going to throw up. I feel like I'm going to be sick. Well, I started to feel like I was going to pass out. I had no energy whatsoever. And I was like, something is really wrong. I didn't have a glucose meter with me. um, And I can't remember if the sensor that I wear for my sugar was not acting right or if it had already expired and I didn't have another one, um, which if you don't know what I mean by expired, don't worry, I'm going to cover it later in the episode. But 
something was wrong and I didn't know why. Well, I told my boss, I was like, I do not feel good whatsoever. I feel like I'm going to pass out. So luckily she let me go home early. Um, on the way, because I had to take the highway from the restaurant to the dorms. About halfway down the highway, I thought I was going to have to pull over and like be sick on the side of the road. I got to the dorms. Um, keep in mind, I had already done some insulin on my pump. But I got to the dorms, checked my sugar on an actual glucose meter, and I think it was like 600 at that point. So that's really bad. Um, my mother lived in North Carolina, so this woman is like two and a half hours away. I'm pretty sure she can make that drive in 30 minutes if I told her my sugar was like 600. Shout out to you, Mom. I asked my roommate, I was like, hey, you know can you give an insulin injection or, you know, are you used to giving a needle? Because at that point I still felt like I was going to pass out and I don't really like to try to give myself shots anyhow, but especially when I feel like I'm going to pass out. And she was like, no, I can't do that. And I was like, okay, time to put on, you know, big girl pants and we got to do this. Um, typically when my sugar is only about 300 or 400, I'll just do insulin on the pump and, you know, let nature take its course, let the pump bring it down. But a needle and a syringe are, in my opinion, um, I don't know if this is fact, but from what I've seen, an insulin injection is a lot quicker than a pump. Um, so I'm trying to give myself an injection and my roommate is talking to me and she sees my face and she's like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, you're just talking like, you know, and she said, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And I was like, no, keep talking because it's distracting me from the fact that I have to stab myself with a needle. So <laughs> shout out to Chelsea. If you ever hear this, you really helped me that night because you were talking and distracting my mind from the fact that I had to give myself a needle and I did it. So I call my mother. I let her know what's going on. You know, she's slightly freaking out. My sugar ends up coming down. But that was one of those times where I was like, it is really bad to have a fear of needles right now because nobody else is around to help me with this and I'm not going to the hospital. So that's, it's very ironic to have a severe fear of needles. Now, moving on from a needle and a syringe, um, just kind of summarizing that, you know, that's where you put the syringe into the vial of insulin, you take it out, you inject it into your body. Usually it's rapid acting unless you're using slow acting insulin for nighttime. Kind of moving on to the insulin pen. I hadn't used this one personally. Um, my mother said we tried when I was younger and the clicking, because if you guys don't know, for the insulin pen, it has... A set amount I don't know off the top of my head but I know it has a set amount of insulin in there so say you want to give yourself 10 units you adjust the pin to where the plunger as you push it will only give you 10 units and it'll stop um, and then as you're moving that little plunger or you're moving that little piece that tells you or tells the pin how much insulin that you're going to inject how much insulin it's going to allow through the needle it's clicking she said i used to be scared of the clicking which i have heard 
somebody I know using the pen. And to this day, I'm like, nope. The fact that I would have to stick a needle in myself aside, no, <laughs> I'm good. Um, but the website that I'm using, and I will copy the link to this website in the description when I post this episode. Um, but the website says an insulin pen looks like a writing pen, but it has a needle for its point. Some insulin pens come filled with insulin and are disposable. Others have room for an insulin cartridge that you insert and replace after use. Many people find insulin pens are easier to use, but they cost more than needles and syringes. You may want to consider using an insulin pen if you find it hard to fill the syringe while holding the vial or cannot read the markings on the syringe. Different pen types have features that can help with your injections. Some reasonable pens have a memory function which can recall dose amounts and timing. Other types of, quote, connected insulin pens can be programmed to calculate insulin doses and provide downloadable data reports which can help you and your doctor adjust your insulin doses. Fun fact, because I actually did not know that. The person that I know that uses a pen, from what I've seen, his is really just the basic type. Um, it has the insulin cartridge already installed. He sets the amount to whatever he wants to give himself. Uh, then he inserts it and boom, you know, that that's kind of it. I didn't know you could download data onto ones. Um, I will say, I forgot to mention, but for both needles and syringes and the insulin pen, um, type one or type two diabetics can use this because, you know, with type 2 diabetics, they can use the slow-acting syringes or the slow-acting pins. Type 1 diabetics can use both slow-acting and fast-acting. Um, so these, if you know somebody who's type 1 or type 2 and they don't know which treatment they want to start using, um, this is a variable or a viable type of treatment that they can use. Now, I may be biased, but the next treatment type I'm going to talk about is my personal favorite, the insulin pump. I'm not going to lie, going from sticking myself eight times a day with syringes and needles to sticking myself one time every three days was, it was amazing. It opened up an entire world for me. So an insulin pump is a small machine that gives you a steady dose of insulin throughout the day. Now you have two different types of, not of insulin itself. You're still using that fast acting because you can't use slow acting with the pump, but you have what's called a basal rate. So the basal rate is what the pump gives you itself. Um, you can set your basal rate. So for example, I have a basal rate from 1 to, I think it's 5 p.m. Um, so that means the pump gives me a set amount at 1 o'clock. It gives me a set amount at 2 o'clock, etc. Um, and now my basal rate changes at 5 o'clock because that's typically around the time I eat dinner, and that's typically when I run the highest. So if that makes sense, um, the second kind of type of insulin is called bolus rate. So that's when you are correcting. You are manually going in and telling the pump to correct itself. Now, the way that you insert the pump is there is a sensor that has a needle because the plastic tubing, one, can't penetrate the skin, but also if you try to insert a plastic needle 
uh, or sorry, a plastic tube underneath the skin without some type of hard force supporting it, it would bend very easily. Now, I have had sensors with my old pump where it bent underneath the skin and I wasn't getting insulin like I was supposed to be getting it and it caused a problem. Um, the insulin pump connects to that small plastic tube and the very small needle. You insert the plastic tube with the needle under your skin and then you take the needle out. Now, the plastic tube will stay inserted for several days while attached to the insulin pump. Um, the pump moves insulin through the tube into your body 24 hours a day. Um, you can also give yourself those bolus doses at mealtimes. Um, now, the other type of pump, because there are two types of pumps, one of them has that tubing that I just talked about, but the other type, I believe, again, somebody who listens to this podcast, please correct me if I'm wrong, and I do apologize if I get this incorrect, the other type is the tubeless insulin pump. Now, the tubeless insulin pump was created in 2011 with the Omnipod. This insulin pump has the cartridge that sits on the actual site or the sensor for the insulin pump. You insert it the same way. You have that needle. You have that tubing, etc. But the cartridge actually actually sits on the sensor rather than having that tubing that like the insulin pump I have has. I'm not going to lie. I have had the Medtronic Mini Med Paradigm pump. Um, that one, it worked great. It was an older pump. It worked for what I needed it to work. Now I have the Tandem insulin pump. And I'll get into, in another episode, I'm going to do what's called continuous glucose monitors. Um, the reason I switched brands has a lot to do with that. So I don't really want to get into that right now because this episode is already about 17 and a half minutes long. Um, but I really recommend for newer insulin pumps, I really recommend the Tandem one. I like it. But moving into more treatment types. So this one I haven't used. Um, you have the inhaler as a treatment type for diabetes. Um, it's another way to take insulin. It breeds the powdered insulin into your mouth from the inhaler device. The insulin goes into your lungs and moves quickly into your blood. You may want to use an insulin inhaler to avoid using needles. Inhaled insulin is only for adults with type 1 or type 2 diabetes. Taking insulin with an inhaler is less common than using a needle or a syringe. Um, again, I keep forgetting to tack it on, but the insulin pumps, I do want to make note um, that as far as I know, they are only eligible for type 1 diabetics just because type 1 diabetics, again, that's where your body doesn't create any insulin at all. So that pump is constantly giving you insulin 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year because your body does not make insulin. Whereas type two diabetics are still making, are still making insulin. They're just not making enough. So if you're a type two diabetic trying to use an insulin pump, your body is already making insulin on top of the pump 
giving you insulin 24 hours a day as well. So they're kind of working against you because you're getting double the amount of insulin when you don't need it. Whereas those syringes and injections and the pins are more helpful for type 2 diabetics and type 1 diabetics because you know, your body's not creating enough insulin at this time, or your body's not creating enough insulin after you're eating, you can check your glucose, check your sugar, and see that. Now, the final type of treatment I want to talk about in this episode is a jet injector. It is a device that sends a fine spray of insulin into the skin at high pressure instead of using a needle to deliver the insulin, and it is less commonly used than a needle and a syringe or a pen. I have never heard of that one, so I'm not really going to speak a lot on that one. Um, Like I said, I will paste this URL from this website that I'm getting all of this information for the treatment types I haven't used in the episode description. Um, So like I said, I'm not really going to speak on this type of treatment because I don't want to give incorrect information. At least the other ones I have heard about or I have seen, or I have used, this one I know absolutely nothing. But that was actually not the last type of treatment. Um, I completely forgot about pills. So insulin pills are for specifically type 2 diabetics. Um, Most people with type 2 diabetes start with metformin pills. Metformin also comes as a liquid and helps your liver make less glucose, and helps your body use insulin better, this drug may help you lose a small amount of weight. Um, Other oral medications act in different ways to lower blood glucose levels. Combining two or three kinds of diabetes medications can lower blood glucose levels better than just taking one kind of medication. Um, Like I said, this, the metformin pills are not for type 1 diabetics because our bodies don't make insulin whatsoever. So how can we help our bodies make insulin if it's not doing what it's supposed to do to begin with? I just want to say once again, thank you all for tuning in to episode two of Pancreas on Strike. Um, the next episode will have to do with continuous glucose monitors and just kind of touching base on those as well as an artificial pancreas and a pancreas transplant.